Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're in France talking to Josh and Julie about God's call to pursue no place left in that great nation. For me, it started, I was working in business and God began to stir my heart for returning to the book of Acts. Um, and, and over a six-month period, I really wrestled with the Lord um, and just in prayer and asking the question, what would it take to live the things we see in the book of Acts? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading broadly as well, just trying to, to figure out, you know, what is God doing around the world? Um, I got my hands on some, some case studies of movements um, that are well-known and was really inspired by these movements. And then... Um, one day I woke up on a Monday morning and, and heard the Lord say to me, now's the time, quit your job. I have something else for you. And uh, that was pretty shocking to me. Yeah. Uh, and so I prayed, Lord, if, if you want me to quit, show me what it is you want me to do instead. And uh, the next day I received a phone call and um, the guy on the line said that they were, they were launching a, a disciple making movements training initiative uh, in the Middle East and Asia. And then they wanted me to participate in that project. And so uh, I took that as a pretty wide open door, a clear sign from the Lord. And so I I put in my two weeks notice at work and took that opportunity. Uh, And for two years, got to travel, learn, uh, be exposed to movements, do a little bit of training as well. And um, for two years, everywhere we went, um, these local brothers and sisters who would share their testimonies would tell me you need to do this in your country and uh hearing that for two years was really convicting because i realized man i I love this vision um but i've never done this in my country and and i really sensed god was telling me before you move to another country and do this try to do this in your own country first and so so yeah through that got started um and then continued pursuing this vision of movements uh, in the U.S. before moving overseas. And Julie, when when did you appear in the story? (laughs) Yeah, my story started a little differently because I was one of those people that went overseas without doing it in my country first. (laughs) So I went to the Middle East and, um, you know, had a heart for Jesus and a heart for the lost, but had little to no training on how to actually make disciples and realized that quite quickly, um, just with getting frustrated, you know, hitting walls, not seeing any fruit, um, and ultimately not really knowing what I was doing or how to do what I was trying to do. Um, and there was a, there was a time period where I started hearing stories from friends of mine back in the U S who were basically part of a team, an NPL team, and they were sharing with me, you know, we're seeing this happen or we're learning about this or, you know, they drew the four fields for me. And I was like, okay, I, I want to learn about that. I, I need to come home and I need to spend some time with this team. So I went back to the States and spent time with this team and Josh happened to be on that team. Okay. And so that's how we met. Um, and then I, I still had another year on my contract in the Middle East. So I went back and I was able to put into practice, you know, the things I had learned. And um, it was really, 
it was really life-giving for me to feel like I have tools in my tool belt. I know, you know, if I, if this happens, I know what to do next. And it was just really helpful for me to have that simple path to walk down and the Lord blessed me and I got to see a little bit of fruit. Um, got to see one uh, young woman come to faith. And so, yeah, it was, it was really encouraging for me and affirming for me of, yes, this is the direction God wants me to go in. Mm -hmm. Um, When Julie moved home and we got engaged and then shortly after I hit burnout and uh, went through a really dark season in my life, uh, which is not really good timing when you're trying to get (laughs) in the process of getting married um, but basically we were in the midst of seeing God do amazing things in the work we were part of in the U S seeing multiplication disciples made and, um, yeah, hit burnout just emotionally, physically, spiritually. Um, it was a really difficult season. Uh, and yet I'm, I'm so grateful. I can look back on that season and, and honestly say, I'm so grateful for that. Um, it gave us. We, we got married and then we, we just took a time to remain in the U.S., you know, learning how to be married, number one, uh, me healing from the burnout um, and just taking the time to process, you know, how did how did we get here? Um, and that was really helpful because I think what I learned from that was how easy it is to go from a, a good start, you know, abiding in the Lord, seeking to love Jesus, love other people and make disciples to um, being completely consumed by the work, you know, completely Mm -hmm. consumed by getting the task done, finishing the Great Commission, pursuing the strategy, pursuing the vision. Um, I learned a lot. We learned, I learned and we learned a lot about identity. uh, Who are we in Jesus? Um, And also not comparing ourselves to other people because I realized I was trying to imitate others around me. I was trying to fill the shoes of others that I looked up to and I respected uh, many mentors that people, you know, listening to this podcast know. Um, and I realized through that, that I've got to be myself. Um, I've got to be the, the, the healthiest version of myself that I can be. Um, and, and Jesus is not asking me to be someone I'm not. He's not asking me to take on the personality of someone else or the, the, the gifts of someone else, but just to operate in who he says that I am uh, and the gifts that he's given me. Um, and during that season, we also, one thing that was really impactful for us is we, we took this training called relational oneness. Mm-hmm. It was a game changer for our marriage, for our ministry. Um, the, the training was all about um, how do you remain connected as one with God and with one another Um And one of the things right away that shocked me about this training was, you know, we in this world, we're really often passionately obsessed with the vision of every tribe, tongue, and nation, you know, Genesis to Revelation, God's plan has never changed. And that's my heartbeat. I I bang that drum all day. Um, But the other thing we took from this training was the fact that from beginning to end, the other kind of silver lining through all of scripture is the fact that God is with us. Uh, and he intends to be with us, uh, and he intends for us to be one with him and one with one another. And that really uh, changed my perspective on um, how important oneness is in marriage um, and in ministry. And do you want to share a little about that, just what we took from uh, oneness? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, it was it was definitely a, a game changer in our 
marriage because it taught us how to communicate with each other and how to see one another as, even though we're different and maybe we respond differently in different situations, Mm -hmm. to have empathy for one another and just choose to care about each other's feelings and about each other's needs, even if I don't understand why uh, Josh might feel a certain way, I can still choose to care that he feels that way. And so um, that was just a big mindset shift and and really helpful for both of us um, to be able to be one, even though we are so different because we really are very different (laughs) Um, in gifting personality, pretty much every possible way. We're extremely different. And I think we've been able to see that as a strength and um, God's used that to really bring us together. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I wouldn't change it. I think it was a really uh, helpful thing to go through. Um, I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. Um, But I can see as someone who's ambitious and driven, self-motivated, it really, I think there's a book called Leading with a Limp. I'm sure you're familiar with that title. Um, That idea that God takes us through something and breaks us, that we would be more dependent on him. And I've just seen that. I see a difference in my soul now. There's a, there's a rest in my soul that wasn't there before uh, to where I'm more and more defaulting to dependence on him and really seeking his face and his voice for what is it that he wants us to do? What is his will? Um, and really seeking to, to please him and, and do the things that are on his heart. And so... Uh, I think it probably was necessary for me to go through that to get to that place because uh, someone prophesied over me one time about how God loves to break wild stallions. And um, I can see that he used that season in my life to, to, to break me in the best way possible. So, so what happened next? Yeah, uh, in that season, we number one, we started incorporating relational oneness into field three discipleship stuff we were doing and just started to see other lives change through this. And we both became pretty convinced, okay, this relational oneness is, is a piece, a tool for sustainability uh, in this pursuit of movements. You know, mm-hmm. um, we included it in discipleship and team formation. Um, Yeah, because one thing about it is it's not just for marriage. It's for relationships in general. So relationships on a team, um, Mm -hmm. in a church or Mm -hmm. in a family, really any kind of relationship between believers. um, We can see that thread in in scripture, like Josh said, that we are called to love one another and be one with one another. Um, Obviously, oneness in marriage looks different than those other relationships, but... Mm-hmm. It's a, it's really a sort of holistic yeah. type of training, not just for marriage. Hmm. Yeah. And it, um, for those who are probably wondering about the details, it's, it's an eight hour training, about eight hours, and it covers three modules, uh, empathy, and it's all practical, similar, similar to an introduction to the four fields or an introduction to movements training. It's very practical and there's a lot of practice and that really helped us. Um, so it's empathy. Uh, and then followed by assertiveness, which simply means how to express your needs uh, to your spouse or to your teammates without demanding that they, they meet those needs, but just expressing yourself vulnerably. Um, and then thirdly would be good and bad apologies and how to reconcile well uh, when we inevitably hurt one another. Um, 
So we started, we continued making disciples, started implementing that across the work we were doing. Um, and then it was in that context that God began to stir our hearts for uh, North Africa. Uh, we, we were praying and um, he put uh, North Africa on our hearts. And, and we had both previously kind of felt a call to cousin countries. Um, but then we really started pressing into trying to understand what is it that God is saying to us? Um, and as we prayed, he, he began to show us that the Mediterranean is like one region, you know, that there's people in North Africa and Europe and Middle East all connected to one another through business, through um, the flow of refugees and immigrants. And so um, through all that, he really started to hone our focus in on France and just the opportunity to, that the question he began to ask us was, what would it look like to see multiplication happen in France uh, that would ripple out and touch other countries. And so um, through that, we began to explore what would it look like to, to potentially move to France. We, um, we decided to take a vision trip first. And so we visited two different cities in France and just spent a few days um, out on the streets trying to meet people, trying to pray for people, share with them, and just kind of see what's the spiritual climate here, what's God doing here. Um, and it was on that first vision trip that I really felt clarity from the Lord on which of those two cities we should kind of make our home base. And it took Josh a little bit longer. It just was a different process um, for him to have clarity from the Lord on which of those cities um, was more strategic and more, you know, where God was calling us to. Yeah. For me, it was, um, we met during one of those trips, we met a restaurant owner and we just, we decided we're going to ask him the same question we've been using in the U S and just see how he responds. And, and the question of, is there anything you or your family need that we can ask God to help you with? And uh, when we asked this brother, that question, he, he put his hand over his heart and you could tell he was really touched. Hmm. And he said, no one has ever asked me that before. Hmm. And uh, so we, he said, pray for my business. This is a new restaurant. And um, I would love to for it to succeed. And so we did. We prayed. Um, we exchanged WhatsApp numbers and then we left. Six months later, we returned. And when we walked into the restaurant, he pointed at me and he said, you, you pray for me. And I thought uh, I, t I jokingly told him, it depends on what you say next. <laughs> and uh, af after he told me, after we prayed for him, uh, his restaurant began to grow to the point that now he's one of the top five on TripAdvisor in our city. Uh, and he attributed it all to prayer. Um, and basically through that, he ended up praying and putting his faith in Jesus. Um, and so God began to show us that there is something happening here and he's inviting us into it. And so through that, we, we eventually decided to move here to France. Um, and the timing was interesting because when we arrived uh, three months later, COVID hit the world. You know, we were learning French and then all of a sudden we were confined to our little apartment. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful that that happened. We're, we're grateful that happened because um, I think if COVID had not hit the world, we would have missed what God was putting right in front of us. Um, you know, it slowed us down to, to really just stop and focus on what's right in front of us. Uh, we couldn't travel. We really couldn't even barely leave our apartment. There was a point at which we could only go within a kilometer radius of our home. Hmm. Um, and it was in that season that we began to pray and ask God, you know, what, 
how do you want us to use this season uh, in, in confinement? And one of the things he spoke to us before we left was he gave us a promise that he would give us a team when we got here. Um, and we really felt like he was telling us not to recruit a team before coming, but that he would give us a team when we got here. And so, so we came, just the two of us. And it was during that confinement season where he began to introduce us to, to local people who had this vision. Um, we met one older couple who had served for quite a while in Africa and saw a big movement in the country where they served. Um, and we got connected with them and started to share the vision that was on our heart. They shared the vision that was on theirs. And, and we just saw there's a lot of overlap here. Um, and we realized, you know, we're, we're foreigners here. And we can either seek to accomplish our vision in our way, or we have this group of locals and they're saying they have the same vision. We can help them accomplish their vision. Um, and it, and as we, as we were talking with this couple, you know, one of our, one of our friends and mentors said, um, he said, we're not heroes. Uh, we're hero makers. And our, our goal is to raise up hero makers locally, you know, uh, locals who, become the leaders of movements. And so, so that really impacted us. And we just decided, you know what, let's, let's go all in with these local brothers and sisters and, and try to help them accomplish this vision. Um, bring our experience, bring the thing, our tools, our, our gifts, our, our experiences to the partnership um, and work with them to see something great happen here. So. Wow. And so what, what did happen when you did that? Give us maybe a, a story or two of some of the people that you've you've served with or inputted to. Yeah, one fun one is um, God really did put together a team here. We have a team now uh, of all local people in us. And um, as we were meeting these people, it was clear that God had already prepared the way. Um, for example, we met two brothers. Um, not they're not related, but two brothers in the faith. Uh, one is married and the other single. And they had both separately told us that someone prophesied over them that they would move to our city um, and that they would be like soldiers during World War II, jumping out of an airplane um, and parachuting into combat. And in this vision that was prophesied over them, there was a foreign couple with them. And they both individually concluded that that was us, um, which we're obviously grateful for. <laughs> um, and so God used that vision in their life to convince them, yeah, we want to move to this city and, and partner up with this couple and, and do something together. Um, and then another brother, he came to visit us and I drew a, a gen map for him and just explained what is movement, you know. And uh, he took that home and that night his, um, his little brother had a, a dream and his little brother woke up the next morning and said to him, Hey, I had a dream, a really weird dream about you last night. Um, and he asked him, you know, what was it? And his little brother said, I was walking around this city, you know, the city we live in and you were with me and we saw on the painted on the walls of the city, this picture. And he said, well, what was the picture? And his little brother drew the same gen map that I had drawn the day before uh, for him. And his little brother said, I have no idea what this means. And our, you know, our friend said, I, I have a feeling I know what this means. I, I think I'm going to be moving to this city. Um, and so, yeah, God, we just saw very clearly God went before us in all of these people's lives 
Um, and these are brothers and sisters who were already faithfully sharing. They were already putting into practice the things they had and the things they knew. Um, and God just brought us into relationship with them to kind of help continue that journey, you know, of, you know, what do you do after you share the gospel? How do you make disciples? How do you multiply disciples and churches and leaders? And so, so yeah, it was a really fun, about a year uh, of watching God just build this team uh, together. Yeah. And one of the things that was powerful for me was to see, so that older couple that Josh mentioned earlier, that was kind of our first local contact in France. And when they, when we met with them, um, we really came in humbly, you know, with this posture of, we want to learn from you guys. We want to, we want to work together. We want to serve your vision. And um, rather than a posture of, we want to train you, we want to train all your people. We want to, here, here's our vision and our strategy. And, and can we, can we do it? You know, it was, it was not that at all. It was very um, opposite of that. And so this couple, I think, saw that attitude in us and, and they said to us something like, you know, you're the first Americans that have come here and come with this posture of wanting to, to serve us and work with us rather than just kind of stamp your yeah. ministry onto our country. And they were, they just opened the doors for us because of that. Um, yeah. They immediately trusted us and they, they are the ones that connected us to each of these yeah. um, guys that, that Josh was just sharing about because they saw, okay, we have these young people in our network mm. and we want them to, to know this couple. And so, um, yeah. yeah. And, and not that we're the, actually the first Americans to come here with that posture, but in their they experience, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they really, they, they had reached out to what they said was about a hundred different workers and agencies. And they were just surprised that, you know, there was what they experienced was many people, um, kind of driven by organizational objectives and agendas and kind of doing it their way rather than trying to really work with locals. And, and, you know, that, that's their experience where we're just relaying what they shared with us. We're not necessarily saying that as a judgment, uh, towards others in this country or in other places, but it was just interesting to us to see, man, it, it was a big lesson learned for us to say, okay, how do we, how do we empower the, the French voice? Because one thing we've seen here is there's this, um, we started sharing the vision of, we want to see something that's for French, by French, in French. Um, you know, uh, something that is led by local people. And I think that has resonated uh, because there's been other movements, other groups come and try to stamp kind of their brand uh, here. Um, and I think that left kind of a bad taste uh, in certain people's mouths and and so we've tried to learn from those things and honor the, those that have gone before us um, and also adapt, you know, and, and try to adapt things to this culture, this context. Um, and through that, God is, um, you know, one thing that's been birthed is this national strategy coordinator team um, called ILADI. Um, and it's we've been produced. It's a platform. It's uh, it's a platform for spreading the vision, catalyzing movement. Uh, and offering trainings, movement trainings to help people take next steps and offering coaching as well. Um, and then also we've been producing videos uh, that are for French, by French, in French. 
Um, and it's been really fun to see those videos have gone viral um, all over the Francophone world. Um, and it's been fun to see as those videos have gone out, we've gotten requests from England and from the U.S. to translate them into English. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, the local leaders here have been really proud of the fact that this is a resource that came out of France and was translated into English rather than it being first produced in English and then translated into French. And so all these little things just show us that God is doing something really powerful in this country. Um, He's in the process of awakening a generation of people that are passionate about Jesus, passionate about his return. And, um, and, and producing something that really is locally led and so we're, we, we just feel incredibly grateful to be a part of it, um, incredibly blessed. And we really believe now's the time for France. Now's the time for the Francophone world. Uh, because one of the things we've learned since being here is French is the second most spoken language in the world by country, you know, not by population, but by number of countries that speak French. Um, and so it's like French speakers around the world. There's a sleeping giant that God is awakening and mobilizing to take their place on the, the global stage uh, for movements. Um, and so we really feel like now's the time for France. Now's the time for the Francophone world. And uh, we're just trying to move at the pace of the Holy Spirit and listen to his voice and say, how do you want to do it, Lord, in France? How do you want to do it in the Francophone world? And how can we partner with what you're doing? Stories. Mm-hmm. Um, we met a North African brother who, uh, through a friend who... Um, when we met him, I was just asking him his story and asking him, you know, why did you come here and um, what led you to move here? And he shared with us a little bit of his journey and how two years ago he started having dreams and visions of Jesus. And um, about once a month, Jesus would visit him in his dreams and uh, would speak to him and minister to him. And so this brother got his hand on a Bible and started reading it. And, um, through the process came to, came to believe. Um, and two things happened. One, he, when he tried to connect with other local people, he had a hard time connecting. People wouldn't believe him that he wanted to follow. Um, and then he was, he was falsely accused of a crime he didn't commit. So he's put in jail. Um, and he was in jail for two months. And uh, during his time in jail, he was put in prison or in a cell that was meant for six people. And it, there was 20 people stuffed into this little cell. Um, and he said he got to sleep on a bed every four nights. Uh, and so every time he would sleep on the bed, Jesus would visit him in the cell at night. And um, when he would wake up in the morning, all the prisoners would be looking at him like, man, what's, what's wrong with you? And he, he'd say, what do you mean? And they'd say, while you were sleeping, there was a divine light shining under your bed like the whole ground was illuminated under you. Um, and through that, he would get to, you know, testify in prison about who is Jesus. And, and so eventually he got out of prison and came here to find work. Um, and he looked at me and he said, will you baptize me? Wow. And uh, I, I thought, no, no, that he's not serious. <laughs> and so I said, sure, let's, you know, and so we opened to Acts 2 and we did a, the baptism lesson with him. And he stopped me halfway through the lesson and he said, Josh, let me tell you what you're going to tell me so you can see that I'm serious. He said, you're going to tell me that I need to repent of my sin and be baptized. You're going to tell me that baptism is when you go under the water and come out of the water. 
And that, that's basically dying to my old life and coming out, being resurrected with Christ to walk in a new way of life with him. And, uh, and he said, I'm telling you, I want to do that. We can do that right now. We can do that at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. You tell me the time and place and we'll do it. Um, I thought, okay, well, it was me that wasn't ready. <laughs> he was, he's clearly ready. And so, so we did it. We, we, we baptized him. And since then, he's been growing in the Lord and sharing his faith with others. And it's, it's amazing to see his hunger for the word, his hunger for uh, Jesus, um, and also how quickly he's sharing his faith, but also receiving, um, whether it's prophetic words or things like that for other people. He, he regularly has visions that he'll share with us that end up coming true. And um, that's really fun to see that in this new brother, um, from early on, he's operating in his identity as a priest. Um, and he's even telling us things like, uh, my people need this. Uh, I want to go back to my region and, and tell my people this this story that I've received. And so we, our apartment is in a neighborhood that's kind of difficult and, but it's up, up and coming. Like there's more and more little shops and restaurants popping up. Um, and so there's a new restaurant that just opened right across the street from our house. And Josh started going there regularly and realized it's owned by a Syrian family. So they're, they're refugees. Um, they've been in France for eight years now, and they've been working really hard to, to be able to, to open this restaurant. And um, so he's been a regular, you could say, um, kind of since they opened. That's one of my entry strategies. I like to find a place <laughs> that I really like to eat and just become obsessed with it. <laughs> so he started really early on connecting with the owner and talking with him, praying for him, you know, sharing just short, like the Shema lifestyle. So not full on sharing, but um, seeding that he's a believer and that um, he has, a, has faith in God and things like that. And so recently, just maybe a couple of weeks ago, um, Josh was able to share with this uh, restaurant owner that I'm pregnant. And so the, the restaurant owner was so excited and he was, you know, happy for us and congratulating us and asked if this was our first child. And Josh shared that, no, actually we had a miscarriage last summer. And so it's been hard, but you know, God's been faithful and kind of shared, testified a little bit about our experience with that. And at first nothing came from that, but then at the end when, when Josh was paying and kind of saying goodbye to the owner, he, he took him aside and he asked him, do you think that we could get together like you and me and, and my wife and your wife? Um, because my wife also had a miscarriage and she never talks about it. Mm -hmm. She still cries about it all the time. It's really hard for her. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it would be really good for her to talk to your wife. And so um, Josh was like, absolutely. You know, we set that up and we, we just met with them for the first time mm -hmm. last week together, you know, as, as families. And um, I can see that this woman is really uh, suffering. She has a lot of, of pain in her story, not just that, um, yeah. not just her miscarriage, but other things as well. And so I think, you know, for, for us, it's been, it's been a, an opportunity to share difficult parts of our story 
and we've seen that us in us being vulnerable and, and testifying to who God is and his faithfulness and mm. how he carries us through those things. It gives us opportunities to share with other people and connect with other people on a much deeper level than we would if we just kind of showed the normal facade mm -hmm. of everything's great and um, all of that. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what God does in, in this woman's life. And so we have a, a brother on our team here and he, uh, he started sharing with his coworkers. Um, and then after about six months, he had a, he was sleeping and he had a dream about one of his coworkers where in, in the dream, his coworker was repenting and believing. And so he thought, man, I need to, when he woke up, he thought that was weird. You know, like he initially didn't think much of it, but then as he, he was asking the Lord, like, what is this? God gave him an urgency to like, go talk to his coworker about this. And so he did. And the guy was like, basically had just started watching a video series about creation and trying to learn more about like, who is the creator. And um, so they start talking and reading the Bible together and then a second coworker reaches out to him and expresses to him that he's also been thinking about similar things, spiritual things. So he starts talking to these two coworkers who also know each other. Um, and basically in he's first meeting with them individually. Um, and through over the period of about six or eight weeks, the first coworker, uh, gets all of his questions answered. They read through Matthew together. Um, and through that, you know, sees who is Jesus, what is life in his kingdom like, and then what is it like to follow him and, and be a disciple that makes disciples. That kind of Matthew chapter one through chapter 10. Um, this guy decides, hey, I'm ready. I want to I want to be baptized. And so um, so he and one other brother uh, baptized this guy and the guy is before baptism is set free from some demonic stuff that was in him um, and set free and just completely transformed after the baptism. Really amazing. Um, and so that, that start, that happens. And then the second coworker literally prays for God to give him a sign and then goes home after work that day. And someone had put a Bible on this guy's car, like randomly, you know, and um, this guy reaches out to our teammate and says, Hey, like, did you put the Bible on my car? And he's like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. And, um, and he says, man, I prayed this morning that God would give me a sign that he's real. And now I have a Bible on my car. And so, um, so our, our coworker, our, our, the guy on our team tells him, Hey, by the way, your coworker just started following Jesus and was baptized. And that leads this guy to do a discovery study after a few weeks, he, he decides he wants to be baptized as well. And so now they've formed a group um, that is, you know, they're actively reading, obeying, sharing with their coworkers. And so that that's kind of a, an example of a new church start, if you will, uh, here in town. And, and that's been really fun to just see, I think, through this whole process, both, you know, the things we shared in the U.S. and also here. Um, one of the things I love that you write about is uh, the fact that these are Holy Spirit led movements. You know, Jesus is the one that goes before us. He does the work and it's like we're just getting to walk with him and step into the things he's already doing and rejoice at what he's doing. And that's very much been our experience here that he's 10 steps ahead of us 
and we're just um, stepping into the things he's already doing. And so uh, that's been a really fun ongoing story uh, here. Like one of the things that God has put on our heart is we want to see 10,000 leaders raised up here in France, local leaders, um, you know, te- disciple making teams to reach the whole country. Um, and so that's, you know, as far as the vision goes, that's what we are actively praying for and with our team working toward. Um, and yeah, I would say that, that simply that's, that's the vision is we want to see the day when there's a movement that is movements that are breaking out across this country that are spilling over into other countries around the Mediterranean. Um, and really see the day where unreached people groups, both from North Africa, but also here in France are, are, gathered around the throne worshiping Jesus. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening to the Movements Podcast. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review and, of course, hit that subscribe button. This has been Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.